Welcome to our Portuguese Table Podcast. I'm Maria Lott and these are in Green Bean. And I'm Angela Samoz and we're just two chicks dishing about Portuguese food, culture, and what it means to be Portuguese. So grab a glass of vinho or um copo de café and join us as we talk about our favorite foods, reminisce about growing up Portuguese, and interview some of our community's most successful chefs and food writers. So, so sit, sit down, down at our Portuguese, Portuguese table. table. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Our Portuguese Table. Hi, Maria. Hi, Angela. How are you, honey? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, I, I'm really enjoying the fact that some of the last podcasts we've gone live, we've had some wonderful, wonderful feedback from people. So more and more people are listening. So for those that if this is your first time listening to our podcast, welcome. And I hope you subscribe and you keep coming back and listening to all these amazing guests that we have on. Yeah. And uh, in addition to the feedback, if you have questions or suggestions, it's been, like you said, it's been great getting the feedback because we're having, we seem to be having the effect that we set out to, which was people feel like we're part of their family and it makes them feel like they're back at their family table and with their Portuguese family and things like that. So that's, that's really cool when we get kind of uh, feed, that kind of feedback. So, mm, yeah. And I'm really excited about today's guest. Yeah, sitting at a t- Portuguese table, nonetheless. No <laughs> uh, Barbara Martin, the dairy goddess. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here and, and an honor. And I'm looking forward to uh, sitting around the Portuguese table. Yeah. yeah. I love, love. Your company name. I love it. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. It, it started very uh, kind of tongue in cheek um, uh, when I was uh, just starting and, and I hadn't even had my business yet, my cheese business. I was actually just getting started on social media and kind of advocating for um, agriculture and dairy and, and um, you know, showing people what we do. It's you just don't go to the store and, and get that milk. I mean, you go to the store and get that milk, but it, it's not just from there. You actually, it comes from the hands of, of so many hardworking families. So just sharing my story. And um, I, I started Twitter probably last and uh, you know, I saw those cute different Twitter handles and, one of my good friends, he introduced me to his Twitter uh, community and said, I would like to welcome a true dairy goddess to Twitter, you know. Say oh, hi. I love it. And yes, that was it. I thought I was probably standing in the middle of a crowd surrounded by manure. And, <laughs> and I thought this is the least likely goddess that you would imagine but I thought it was kind of fun so that's kind of how the name stuck and eventually I started I used it as my business name you know it's funny uh, so Barbara and I go back quite a ways we first met through the Liz American organization here in California and yeah. when I saw that you had started your business and that you had named it goddess for me, I felt it was so appropriate because I always remember you just looking so beautiful and elegant at all the conventions and the, you know, events we'd 
go to. And I thought that is so appropriate because she truly is a goddess. That warms my heart. Thank you so much. But, it, you know, those were that, that, that special time in August when we got to break away from the farm and play a little dress up. So that that was probably the only time in the year that I was ever like that. <laughs> But that means deep down inside, you are that inner goddess, that dairy goddess. So, uh, but Barbara, where, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, where did your family come from? Are they from the mainland? Did they come from, are you first generation, second, third? How does that go, honey? Sure, sure. So my um, grandparents, my grandmother from Pico and my grandfather from um, Trisada immigrated via Boston, and that's where they met. They met and married. And some of my grandmother's family went to San Diego for tuna, but she followed my grandfather and, and came to California for dairy. So they established uh, their dairy primarily in Artesia, and that's where I was born and raised, and where my dad eventually took over the dairy. And uh, met my mom at a festa. My mom was uh, probably my dad's polar opposite, a very, very traditional Portuguese, very proper, quiet. Um, at that time, you know, they're a little embarrassed of their, their accent, even though he was born here, his first language was Portuguese. And all they want to do is assimilate and be American, especially California American. And so he, he himself was was very proper and, and uh, met my mom at a festa being in, you know, the Artesia area. Actually, it was the Paramount Festa, Heinz DES. And uh, he saw a blonde, blue-eyed, bit of a hippie and who <laughs> uh, <laughs> laughed it was loud and, and hugged everybody and and that was just kind of it. He, she was 14 years as junior, but they made it work. And, and my mom just loved the Portuguese community. And she was as Portuguese in heart by as much as anyone I knew. Mm. Now, yeah. so, your, so your dad is pretty, uh, pretty much from Pico and Tercera, a combination of both. Yes. And your mom is what, hun? Well, that's been an interesting uh, little tidbit. My 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 grandmother divorced my my father uh, my grandfather when my mother was very young, and she and it was then raised by um, her stepdad who was an Italian. Okay, and uh, she convert, converted at thirteen to Catholicism, and she didn't know much about her her real dad other than. French Canadian and her mom being Yugoslavian. Mm. And that's questionable. God rest yeah. her soul. I always think she had a bit, was a bit of a gypsy from a gypsy family, but we don't know for sure. And she didn't like when I joked about that. Well, you know, what's funny is, and I'll have to let everyone in on it. Before we started the podcast, I, I was talking to Barbara real quickly. And she was, I was saying, well, you know, you can talk about, you know, your Portuguese background. She goes, well, I'm half Portuguese. And my thing to her was, well, the Portuguese gene overtakes every other gene. Because that is what I tell my children, because I'm Portuguese. 
but my husband is English, Irish, Scandinavian, French Canadian. I mean, you've got a whole mix of stuff that his, it's his background, but mostly it's English, Irish. And I'll always tease them and say, well, you know, you're just a you know, quarter English, a quarter Irish and half Portuguese so so cool. half just overtakes everything. So, um, so yeah, so I always, I always tease that. That's yeah. Dumb. You know, I remember, and I think it's so strange now, I guess not strange, but I, I look back when, you know, when someone asks you your nationality, you're in school, I, I always said I was Portuguese. I mean, so my dad, I mean, it was my grandparents born in the Azores, but I remember being a little girl going, I'm Portuguese. I'm, you know, I'm Portuguese and kind of, and my mom never really corrected me, you know, even though she was very much, you know, her Yugoslavian mix. But, but after my mom died, you know, I found someone on Facebook found me, I guess, after the obituary and come to find out I'm half Scottish. <laughs> so, really? <laughs> yes. I said, well, that makes a lot of sense because the nuns used to tell me that they were sure that I had some, you know, some uh, Irish or Scottish background. And uh, well, what's funny is, is, I mean, I even have people who do this and send me messages and how can I find my ancestry? You know, I had my ancestry done and, and, uh, you know, I thought I was all Portuguese, but I, I got, you know, let's say, you know, 70% Iberian Peninsula, but the other was Italian, Irish, English, uh, Moroccan. I mean, we've got a whole bunch of stuff. And the the thing is, is what we really have to say is we're all a mix of so many different personalities because the Portuguese were travelers and discoverers. And yeah. not only that, but the Iberian Peninsula was invaded by many different cultures. So we yeah. had the Romans come in and that was part of the Roman Empire for a long time. You know, we had the Moors come in and so we were all, you know, so we've we've got a whole bunch of different um, combinations, but I love the fact that you still, do you still see yourself as Portuguese, if someone was to ask you, what's your yes. national proper? Yes. Yes, I do. I still I still see that and, and still am involved. I have a LUSO meeting tonight for our, our, our council that we are, are um, reactivating here in Hanford, Lamore, Central, Central Valley, mm-hmm. trying to, to get the, this reactivation going. Um, because, I mean, there's so many Portuguese Americans here in the Central Valley. And I mean, they said to celebrate festas. I, I joke with my friends from Southern California, saying I've never eaten as much soapish as I have since moving to the Central Valley because there's so many festas. And and these are and it, I'm very impressed because I feel like Chino and Artesia. There's a lot of you know first second generation, but up here you're already on the fourth generation. And, and they really are so great at keeping the traditions alive. We went to the uh, carnival on, on um, Friday night and, and, you know, how many are still just active in these traditions. And it makes me proud. And, and now I have grandchildren and I want them to experience what I experienced and what my children experienced. And, you know, thankfully my, my daughter married a uh, Portuguese American young man 
and their families very much into the tradition. So I think we'll at least for another generation have that going. That's beautiful. Now, you, you said before your grandfather started dairy, his farm. So you have you continued your grandfather's farm or is this a different farm? So uh, my husband, who I met uh, through Luzo American, I, I, on a little side note, I, this just popped to my head. And um, I, I remember my dad, I, my dad, we never really went anywhere. We were very much raised on the farm. My, my mom actually, for a free spirit that she was, she didn't drive. She went around everything by her bicycle. So uh, we would go to town once once a week, and we would uh, we'd go to two things. We'd go to a Luso um, a Luso dinner, and the Festa in Chino in August. And I asked my dad, "Well, why do we only go to to these things? You know, why don't we do other things?" And he says, "Because I've got to find you a Portuguese husband." Oh. <laughs> That is so cute. <laughs> and so, well, it certainly worked. And um, I, I've been with my husband. I've, I've known him for almost 40 years, but uh, we've been married. It'll be going on uh, 34 years. Oh, and beautiful. so actually, um, my brother was carrying on my, my father's dairy, but decided to sell and went a different career path. And then, um, so, but my husband uh, remained in the dairy industry and, and we've, and it's been a tough though. California dairy farms have really suffered over the last few years, but uh, we're still here and, and doing that. And that was part of the reason with, with the dairy crisis in California, why I, I wanted to help and do something and, and decided to make cheese. So now we've gotten to the part of making cheese. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> well, you know, I, I just, I'm one of those people, I love like a good butter. I, I can tell a good butter from a bad butter. Just, I, I can. The yes. same way with, uh, you know, cheese. I appreciate smelly cheese because mm -hmm. I, usually the smelly cheese sometimes tastes great. I yes. love, I, I love cheese. So I love the fresh cheese. So now what type of cheese are you making? So I, we, I started out doing the, the fresh Portuguese cheese that is, is still one of my favorite things to eat. It's a very, it's harder to, to uh, sell because you have to move it so very quickly. So I, I chose not to, um, you know, do the fresh cheese because it's a lot of work to move something that quickly. And um, so I went to, um, in 2008, um, at Cal Poly, uh, university they had a cheese course and uh you know you, you learn how to make all you know different kinds of cheese but when i when i decided to help our dairy i didn't have much room we didn't have much money and i needed something that would sell quickly i didn't have time to wait you know 60 90 days for aging so uh you know because if you do a raw milk cheese something like that you don't have to buy a pasteurizer because anything under 60 days uh, has to be pasteurized. So um, I, I, so we did, I, I thought, bought an old little pasteurizer named it Patsy. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I decided to do a fromage blanc. A fromage blanc is a French style fresh cheese. 
and uh, and I started, you know, with plain and then a couple flavors. And now uh, we presently do uh, have six flavors total. But it's such a versatile cheese and, and it's very low in calories, high in protein. And, and I love for the fact that it's also spreadable. Yes, yes. And people say, oh, you know, uh, you know, I sell at farm. started selling at farmer's markets. I still am in four farmer's markets and some other specialty stores and that. And, but at farmer's markets, you know, people go, oh, this is a spread. And I'm like, well, it's it's cheese. It's but it's spreadable because it's so fresh. <laughs> so I, I exactly. It's because people are not aware of, you know, you almost have to re-educate people on cheeses because for most of them, people, they've grown up with sliced cheese or block cheese and that's it. But I'm just saying you would, you don't see the others. You don't appreciate the others. No one really tells you about the different cheeses unless you grow up with different types of cheeses. But I the spreadable soft cheese is just, I mean, that's amazing. And now you say you're making it with different flavors to it or what are you adding to it, Barbara? Yeah. So from the, you know, the plain, which is still a really good seller, but we have what I kind of named my cheeses after my favorite places and my favorite flavors. So for 20 years living in Southern California, I was a travel agent so, uh, so I, I've been blessed where I got to see lots of great places. And, and so I, to tie a little bit of that history into my new company, um, that is what I did. And um, so my first flavor, um, which is the Central Coast, and it's uh, Santa Maria seasoning with dill. And that Santa Maria seasoning is how they flavor like the tri-tips in, in Pismo and that Central Coast region. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, of course, have the Azores, which is flavored with, and I don't say it right, this is where I sound half Portuguese, but Malaglita is Yes, and I use that to season my Azores. Then I have the Valley, um, which is the best flavors of this area, which are peaches, almonds, and honey. That particular one's my highest award winner. I, I had won actually first place for the American Cheese Society in the American yeah American Cheese Society in the fresh cheese category. Nice. Um, yes, and I have won. You know, I've, most of my cheeses have won some little award, but that's my my big. That's my Oscar of cheeses. <laughs> the last time I was in St. Michael, because every time I go there, I go to the Azores. They have, of course, you know, we have two cows for every person in, on our islands, and especially in um, St. Michael, and we've got happy cows everywhere. So they're constantly trying out and making different cheeses. And one of the last times I was there, they had some cheese that was flavored with garlic. Uh-huh. Which you might think, oh, garlic with cheese, but it tasted fantastic. Oh, I bet. And, and the other one was parsley. Mm, yeah. Parsley was a nice, mild flavor. And then it gives it that just, I, it makes it look beautiful, too. <laughs> yeah. So it's like they're... So the thing with the pimenta, the malagata, that would be delicious. Personally, uh, I like that would be spicy in there too. Very um, spicy. 
see. And, and I think we've got it pretty good now. I, I we make it pretty, um, you know, sometimes you have a hotter batch than, an, than another, but yeah. um, I think we we're, we've got that little problem, but you know, it, it's great. And then I love that paired for when, for one of our recipes that we've done and we, you know, like for my daughter's wedding, we had a, a little uh, French bread with a piece of linguisa and uh, then the Azores from Blanc on top. And that that was just a big hit. People love it. And it's great, like with green olives and linguisa. Oh, wow. That sounds amazing, Barbara. Um, now, where I'm here in the East Coast, how can we how can we purchase it out here or does it come out here, Barbara? Being a fresh cheese, that's one of the challenges I have because it, it is overnight shipping, which is really costly for, you know, so the cheese is fairly reasonable, but boy, to get it shipped, you know, overnight can be, yeah. you know, five times what, what it costs. So that's one of the things And we're, I'm still very small, you know, very artisan. I'm, I'm really in California, I think there's a shop in Reno that has it, but, um, you know, distribution, I, I'm not large enough for a distribu you know, distribution uh, to that scale where, where I'm out there. I mean, maybe someday I'm kind of passing the torch on to my daughter and she really, you know, is doing well with it. She's always been involved with the business that, you know, is, is kind of maybe thinking of going to the next level where, where I'm kind of to the point now where I, I want to enjoy my my grandchildren, I, you know, I, I wow. want to enjoy every minute of it. So sometimes that entrepreneurial spirit um, is overshadowed by, by my, my grandkids. Mm. You know, I'm thinking to myself here I, I, and Angela, Angela and I have talked about this, that we're trying to figure out a good time for me to go out into California this year. And one of the things that I'm doing is I'm going to be, there's a little bit of filming that's going to go on in um, St. Michael this year um, for the PBS show. And mm -hmm. one of the things is we're talking about cheese. And I'm thinking right now, I think it would be a great idea to film out in California, all the dairy farms that are going on out mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. so I, I might be, I might be out there sooner than you think, Barbara, and I might be trying out that cheese. <laughs> that would be awesome. Awesome. Love it. Oh my God, that that sounds that sounds amazing. That sounds yeah. amazing, Angela. We need to make sure we go to Barbara's farm <laughs> for sure. That would be great. Yeah, and just so that uh, uh, listeners know, you can purchase online, but you know, just as we were saying, sometimes shipping can be. But I I just placed an order while we were having this conversation, so you know, there you go. Very <laughs> nice. Now, now let's let's put this out here, Barbara. For those that want to do that, how are they? How can they get a hold of you? Your website, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. What are all those things that people can follow and uh, and get a hold of you? Yes. Yeah, so um, all of the above. www.dairygoddess.com. Twitter handle Dairy Goddess, Instagram Dairy Goddess, uh, Facebook page is Dairy Goddess Cheese, and um, I'm, I'm on, on social media and and do my best to respond very very quickly. Okay, I was reading on your your blog, and for those of you who haven't been to the website, uh, Barbara does have a blog, so make sure you follow her. 
Um, I've been a little tardy on my blog lately. That's when it was one of my New Year's resolutions. And here we are in March and I still haven't done that. But coming soon, an updated blog post, I promise. (laughs) You've been busy because you moved farms and you moved uh, the store and and therefore have moved the storefront, right? And your website is... So tell, talk us a little bit about, uh, you know, what what was the move? Because I think you're moving to organic, I think is what you said. So how did yeah. that? Yeah, that? so um, in California, there's, you know, um, we have a lot of issues in the agricultural industry. Um, and we decided, you know, that I really like the agritourism part of agriculture. And to do so and, and to have something like that and a large-scale dairy farm, we thought, let's maybe do something different. We had an opportunity to move just, you know, a quarter mile up the road, um, the smaller dairy that is a little bit better location to uh, receive customers. We're one mile off of a main highway, and um, that gets, that's the main highway going to Yosemite and the main highway going to the coast. And, um, and then with labor issues, a big problem with labor issues in California. So we thought, you know, maybe let's take it old school, the way our grandparents, great grandparents did it and transition organic, which we're still transitioning and uh, open up a little farm stand and sell our goods. And that's what we've done, you know, and summer, uh, fall, awesome. We knew it would really drastically slow down winter and um, you know looking forward to it picking up here in the spring and I, I received a grant from the from the USDA to help me promote this agritourism and add dollars towards um, advertising and promotion that's wonderful that's something we've talked about on the podcast before is how our grandparents and even some of our parents did the organic before it was called organic right exactly. yeah <laughs> And had their own farm, you know, their their gardens where they grew their own vegetables and even had their own livestock or, you know, would make their own butter and their own cheese and everything like that. Yeah, so it's, we, were, it's like, we, were the, we were the original farm to table, too. I mean, farm to table is nothing new to me. Yeah. So it's just, it's funny how that's kind of all coming full circle and we're getting back to, you know, the way it was because, you know, old school was good school right (laughs) it worked and you know it's it's pretty cute to hear you know and I always say I'm on the front lines of agriculture as far as you know uh, defending it against those those that might think that we're cruel to animals or they they don't understand it and so you know there's with all the negative press through some of you know the organizations that are anti- you know, animal agriculture and, and plant-based foods only, you know, there, I've, I've often faced a lot of people with opposition and, and, and challenges. But I think more than that, I've gotten that, like, you're really a, a dairy farmer? And, and yes. And, and they'd be like, well, that's so, that's so cute. Oh, darling. Oh, my God. You know, and, and uh, I, my husband, you know, he, he gets a big uh, tongue in cheek when he, when someone says he looks very cute <laughs> as a dairy farmer. He's like, if, yeah. these, if these city slickers knew, if city slickers knew how hard we worked, you know, and how how many hours 
we weren't, they wouldn't think that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. so my, um, my sisters, I have two older sisters and my, my brother-in-law's families are from Puvasel and they were dairy farmers there. Their whole family was dairy farmers there. So when they came here to the United States, they became dairy farmers here in Massachusetts and half of their family went out into uh, California oh. and they have since, you know, passed on. So they're, they're no, they're no longer, obviously they're no longer with us uh, in California, but that was something where I saw one of my, one of my brother-in-law's um, um, decided at one time he was going to have a dairy farm. So I saw how hard it was for him and for my sister and when their children were very young at the time and how they struggled. Yes. Uh, how, you know, at one point they lost all their cattle because they became sick. There was uh, some kind of sickness that disease. one of them caught and then all of their cows died and it pretty much almost, they almost lost everything. And right. And he wanted to continue doing it and he had to stop doing it because he didn't want to lose everything again. And it, it was, but that's his first love. His first love was to be doing what his family had always done and what he loved to do. So I absolutely know how hard it is because I saw how my brother-in-law, my sister, and my nieces and nephews suffered. Um, right. it, it's not an easy, it's not a job for what is it? The weak hearted. It is a, it is a really, it's, a, it's, it's, yeah, I, I can't even go into it. It's, it's hard. It's a hard life. Right. It's commit. I mean, there's so many great things about it. I, my, my, and we also have chickens. We, um, along with cheese, we have about 500 chickens and we sell, oh, wow. we sell uh, free range eggs at, at farmer's markets, a little distribution company. And then also at our farm stand. And, um, my, my granddaughter loves to go with her avul to go with the chickens. And I got, I got the cutest picture of, you know, her holding his hand and they were walking towards the, the chicken coop and, and I think that you know with all the work and and all the sacrifice and you know that you know every day day in and day out that you care for for animals that that one photo may makes it all worth it so um it is and I and it's it's a different industry it's a different changing industry and in California it's you know you either have to go very very large scale or or then you find niche markets such as organic, you know, something along those lines to, yeah. to make it work. And well, it seems, I don't know how it is in other states, but, you know, here in California, especially, it seems to be, um, you know, trendy also to buy organic and support local business, uh, but not just trendy. It's a good thing, right? So, I mean, yes. even you get a better, you get a better product and uh, you know that you're supporting the local economy. So I think that, has people are more conscious of that as well. So, you know, yeah, I think that, you know, the organic movement and it, you know, I, the, whether you're a large scale dairy farmer, 
you know, they're still doing a great job. They're bringing you good quality milk um, at an affordable price. And the reason, um, and, I, and, that they, and it does, they do a great job. And I, to make it work in California, you either have to be one or the other. So uh, organic, people that buy organic are really supporting uh, that style of farming that old school tradition and they, and the, those customers value that. That's why they're paying more for it. I recognize that, that, and I think, you know, trendy is, is possible, but I do think it, it's something that people, um, it won't go away anytime soon. No. I, I think no. that people are really, you know, I, and like you said, to us, it's nothing really, nothing that we haven't seen. I mean, we've always been, organic farm to table i mean that's how we grew up so they put these catchy little names with it you're kind of like well you know duh that's that's what we do that's how we're been there done that um i i know how you know again out there you're very lucky that you have a very longer uh growing season than we have here in the east coast so today i was thrilled to have um you know a sunny day. It wasn't gloomy. It wasn't too cold. It's getting like a little warmer now. And I'm thinking, oh my God, spring is around the corner. And the great thing is, is I just saw a notification that, you know, the uh, community um, harvest where you can be part of if you, Mm -hmm. uh, like if you tie into by, you know, if I give so much amount, I'm, I'm part of that harvest for one of the local farms that we have around here. You get to pick up their farm fresh stuff every month. You know, that's part of your, part of your share. And I saw that today and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Cause that's like coming. It's, it's not here yet, but I know it's coming. Right. And I, I look forward to always as soon as those farm stands open I am like right there supporting my farmers because you have to, we all have to folks. Um, Those that are listening out there, you know, yeah, I get it. It might be a little bit more pound, but the flavor is completely different. You're getting stuff that doesn't have any pesticides on it. And it's now, it's just all good stuff for you. And And last year, I know I went on a tangent, Angela, with beets. I know I went on a tangent with beets. I went crazy. I went crazy with beets. I rediscovered my love of roasted beets. And so all I keep telling my husband is, oh, my God, I can't wait till the beet farmer. (laughs) I love beets as well. And beets with my naked cheese is amazing. Um, Oh, my God. That I, you know, another point too with with shopping, you know, farmers markets or belonging to a CSA or or something like that. You know, the food is coming from the United States, so so yeah. and, and, and the state where you're at, um, yeah. and and not coming from you know South America and and uh, and that. So it. it it's important. And, and, you know, a lot of those, you know, if it's not local, if, meaning in the United States, you know, do they have the same, they say they have the, some of the, the same regulations, but you, you wonder, you know, how, how, how is that being enforced? You just like, for example, I'll, I'll give the example of strawberries. Okay. 
So if you're buying strawberries and they're organic strawberries and you, they're being, you know, you, you buy them when they're in season and all that, you need to eat them fairly quick because they're going to go quickly. Uh, it's a soft fruit. It only has a certain uh, life where it, it will quickly, you know, turn. But if you buy one, you know, for $1.99 for 16 ounces and it's coming from Chile and you have it and you've got it for like a couple of weeks and it's not bad on you. Yeah. What do you think is on that strawberry for it not to go bad? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's. And that is what will happen is so if if we're not able to sustain our local agriculture, then we won't have choices, you right. know, you, you know, so you ha need to support local agriculture and, in, and to sustain the farmers to stay and be able to do what they're doing um, or else everything will be important. Mm, you're right. I, that's a scary thought. Yeah. And I, one we don't want to think about. That's you know, right. and here we go again, you know, this is something like, like we said, and I'm going to say it again, as Portuguese, this is something that we've always been around. Mm -hmm. um, and that is, you know, being very, how can I explain it? Eating within season, mm -hmm. uh, the understanding of what's in the ocean to our table, what's on the earth into our table mm -hmm. and i think we're we're very um i mean i don't want to get down philosophical here but we're very connected mm -hmm. um I, I i know that i from other people that i know we're very connected to to that and um i don't know i i, I see that in a lot of my friends i see that in a lot of people you know other portuguese that also it's very important to you know eat what's fresh to eat what's there what's around you what and, and to support each other right. and um, you know and we have to we've got to support our farmers we've got to support um we do we have to support our farmers and the story mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and it's, it's important too that you know that we it, even if it's just growing coach in, in the backyard <laughs> is because now that you know the the newer generations of Portuguese Americans that are so great at keeping traditions, you know, um, they're, they're going to be limited on some of those things that we, we saw growing up and that's, you know, growing your own food. And I mean, part most, the new, new generations are both working there. They work, work outside the home and, you know, if they have their grandparents around that are, that they still see doing that that's great, but eventually that's going to, to be phased out. And so um, I think that if everyone could just have a coach, a Portuguese American that wants to at least feel connected to the land or have that extra tradition of food to table in their own home, uh, mm. just grow some, some kale and um, some coach and, and, and see that because it, it gets harder and harder as, as kids, yeah. uh, you know, the jobs are different now. You're not, you know, right. well, you know, Barbara, I, I think the great solution is for those that don't have a large yard, because some people live in apartments. I mean, sure, sure. a lot of times they don't have the space to be able to do that. But you know what, guys, there's container gardens. 
Sure. And you can buy and do small container gardens. And there are plenty of people who live in apartments that do container gardens. And even if you do that in planting some seeds for parsley, for, you know, like you said before, with, you know, any tomatoes, oh my God, you know, little things where they, it doesn't take much room. Um, it, it, you need to do it. And speaking of curves, which is for those that don't understand what curves are, it's collards. We're talking yes. about collard greens. And um, I saw someone, I won't mention by the name of maybe Angela, who has, uh, who was showing the other day on her page, showing yes. all of the collards that she had picked from her backyard and look at me I have all these fresh collards and I'm like you little stinker I don't have any fresh collards right now <laughs> I, I was impressed too I happened to see that and uh and I and, and I think you mentioned something you know kale before it was cool you know <laughs> yeah. so it's funny because my so I have to give my husband kudos on that one because it's his Cove Garden, I mean, and they're actually huge, and we have more than we could ever eat, honestly. So to my local friends and family, if you want some, <laughs> you can come over and take them. But um, it's funny, because every time we, I would make dinner, and sometimes I would buy kale at the grocery store, and he'd say, well, is this our kale? And I'd say, no. So then I started to feel bad. So I said, okay, I'm just going to go and harvest it all, so I don't have to, like, okay, I want to make cool for dinner tonight. I got to go outside and pick it. <laughs> But I wanted to clarify something because well, you were saying that it's collards. So I thought it was kale, which is similar to collard greens, but is there a difference? There is. There is. The, the shape of the leaf, the collards are much bigger than regular kale. So a, a collard is like a, a larger leaf. Sometimes it's more round. Whereas a kale tends to be also a little uh, bit more bitter and you can have different colors of kale. You can have the black kale, the curly kale, but it's in the kale family. They're all the same in the yeah. kale family, but there is kale and there is collard and the collard green are cooked. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Meant kale. That's what I thought. Nope. nope. Kirsch is um, our kale, our, what we call our kale, or kirsch. But we always say, oh, kirsch, a kirsch, a kirsch. And so we put the two together. And then people would go, oh, no, that's not it. That ours, this is our kirsch. You know, that's not our kirsch. And it's like, well, that's two different things. Kirsch, or what you're calling as kirsch, is collards. And, and the kale, the smaller leaf, the ones that are very curly, that are tend to be that's that's the kale that's the kale but the, so are the, are the bigger the collards are and you would say collard greens and those are the big leaf the with a bigger stem in the center where you could just, you yeah. know what i mean it's a yeah. different different animal how would you say kale in portuguese then it would probably i think they put the two together um. I, I really do I really, but you know what? We'll look at that together because I know they would say a, a super curve. Yeah. And we would think, okay, it's kale, but it's not. It's collard greens. And what about turnip greens? That what, What's that called? No, uh, uh, um, knob. He said knob. Uh, it would be, um, oh, super knob. Uh, do, um, 
Oh my god, what is the turn of greens? I know watercress is a good yum. And oh. it would be um which watercress? I love watercress. But the turn of greens, it is oh knob, uh a verdure de knob, a part sima. It's it's super de knob. Super super de knob with you with the greens would be the 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 uh the Oh my god, the turnip greens. <laughs> I can't think. I can't talk right now. Yeah. But, yeah. My my va always said soap of the knob. Soap of the knob. Yeah. yeah. That's it. So that's what I mean. So I was I you throw all those greens together. They're all healthy for you. Oh yeah. yeah. So I, I going back to the to the courge. I'm going to say this because I know we're going to get people listening to the saying. Oh. That's why I'm going to say it because I will tell you, I grew up saying koivj, right? And then I was told, no, it's not koivj, it's kolv. But then there's, you know, with how you were saying it, kolv, uh, say it again, Maria, you said it slightly different. It's kovsh. Kovsh, right. So there's like five different ways oh, to say it. potato, potato. Yeah. yeah, I always get a break because I'm half Portuguese, so you know they always get a break on, on my pronunciation. And, you know, and for those, you know, I'm from the Azores, so we have different slang on certain foods that you know. Again, the mainland might be a little bit of a different slang, or you know, kind of thing. But we're talking about the same thing, folks. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just like in English, you say. If you're on the East Coast, you say hot dog. And if you're out here in California, you say hot dog, right? It's like every once in a while, every once in a while, I'll say something and I went, oh my God, did I just say that without pronouncing my R? And then my husband will look at me and he'd go, yeah, you did. Yeah, you really did, Maria. So it does slip out every once in a while. It does. It's That's charming. Okay. Sounds great. It's charming. Did you just say that, Angela? It is. I love it. I think yeah. it's cute. I think it's cute, too. I mean, we have a good friend. Oh, you California girls. <laughs> For sure. I do my best to not say like. As often as I, as few times as I can, but I already, people already know I'm from California or they think I'm Canadian for some reason, but I, I have the California accent. I know. When I was in Toronto, um, not last year, it was the year before. Oh, I, I have to go back to Toronto. I love that place. Uh, I heard a lot of like, and I heard a lot of for sure. Really? Yeah, those were the two things I heard a lot when I was there. They would say, "Oh yeah, like it was." It, it was a lot of likes, and it was a lot of shores. That's I heard that a lot. The California wannabes, come on. Yeah, I was uh, just <laughs> Angela. No, 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 no. They're they're a whole special. Oh my god, I I loved going to Canada. Uh, for those that I mean, we're talking about California too, which I love California also, but I. I really, I really loved going up to Canada. I, I really did. You know, there are so many, especially the Toronto area. That's where, I, that's where I went. And the people in Mississauga and all that, they are the Portuguese community up there. They are just like amazingly proud of, of who they are. It's like, it's really fantastic. I, I really love, I, I, it's really beautiful up there. Really, really nice. So, ladies, we're, we're coming up on the hour again. We're oh, back. 
We didn't even get to ask Bob for all the stuff we wanted to ask. Okay, Bob. One, one question. Yes. Maria, you pick. One question? I only have time for one question. Oh, my God. Okay. Um, well, I always like to ask, what does it mean to you being Portuguese? Oh, I think that uh, Portuguese is... Um, I, uh, the first time I, I went to the Azores was 1980, and um, so different. And, and I was just graduated, it was 1981, so I just graduated from high school, and I immediately felt the connection. And so for me, being Portuguese is, is it's my heart. It's, it's, and everything good about that family and, and food and friendship and, and, and my husband, everything that's been good in my life is somewhat connected to my Portuguese heritage. Oh, that's beautiful, Barbara. Yeah. That is beautiful. Now, I'm going to ask one more question. I still have a few more minutes. I can see the time. And that is, if you could have, like, your, your, your favorite dish that brings back amazing memories, what would that dish, what would that Portuguese dish be, Barbara? Who would be making it, your mom or your grandmother? It would, it would be my, uh, getting emotional, um, it would be my Ava, my, my dad's mom, and it would be Sopa de Nob. Sopa de Nob. I loved her, her turnip soup. I loved it so much. Mm. And, and her popish. <laughs> oh, popish, of course. Everyone has their popish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do you have her recipe for the soup and do you make it um i make my friend rosemary avila makes a, a, very close to what she did so i have her recipe no one you know you back then we didn't think about doing res taking recipes down you know i mean the kids the next this next generation so much better at that i think they realize that uh, no nobody got her recipe and, uh, but my friend Rosemary makes a good one. So I use that one. Oh, I have, uh, that was one of, uh, my dad's favorite soups. Mm. And, uh, so I, I have, I have that in, in the cookbook that I wrote. And it's funny when I was, um, when I was writing that recipe, it, it, yeah, it, it I have a hard time making that soup. Yeah. And, Just bring back so many good memories and yeah. yes but I, I remember her making it she would you know we were in Chino which is about oh 45 miles from Artesia at that time and she'd come and stay the summer with us uh, or part of the summer with us and even though it was summer she'd make that soup because she knew my dad loved it so much and and um, I remember eating it and and waking up in the morning there'd be poppish and and her sitting at the chair watching TV with her rosary beads and, and all I could understand was <laughs> <laughs> so beautiful things to hold on to. Absolutely. Well, Barbara, I, our hour is up. That was a fast hour. <laughs> I mean, how, how fast was that? That was much too fast. I'm sorry. It was too fast. Yes. I enjoyed it very much. Well, appreciate your time. And we're super proud of, of what you've been able to create. And uh, if anybody's passing through Lemoore, we ask that you uh, stop by and see Barbara. And then and if you're not, they go to the website. 
And, and in our, our notes, our, our notes after, we'll make sure to include all um, how they can get a hold of you, your website, your your Facebook page, all of that info so that um, people out there can follow the Dairy Goddess. I appreciate and, uh, that. Yeah. And um, I, we wish you much success. We're very proud of you. You're continuing, you know, those traditions, which is... Uh, is very important and that you've passed it on to your children and now your grandchildren. And it's beautiful, Barbara. We wish you the best, honey. Thank you to you guys too. You guys are doing a great job and, and just uh, make Portuguese women proud all over the place. Thank you so <laughs> much for what you guys do. Thank you, Barbara. Thank and you. And very best to, uh, to your hubby and your rest of your family. Uh, I, thank you. Thank you. I sure will. And you guys too. Thank all right. You. Bye, Barbara. And hopefully Thank we'll you. see each other soon, honey. I hope. My doors are always open. All Bye. right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So is she not a true goddess or what? I, I'm so glad we have her on I, I want to be called the goddess also. I mean, what a great name. The dairy goddess. So maybe your neck, you reinvent yourself as the Azorian goddess. Oh, <laughs> Green thing to the goddess. <laughs> I'll make sure I tell my husband that. You can call me the goddess from now on. <laughs> Why not? You know? I mean, I think it's great. You know, she's, it's really a funny. I, um, as she mentioned, she had been a travel agent before. And yeah. when I saw her doing this business, I had no idea that she had ever farmed at all. So I, when I saw her doing this, the dairy stuff and the cheese stuff, I thought, is this the same person? I, I don't remember her being, you know, a, a dairy person. Um, but then, and, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, I just always remember her looking fabulous, like literally like the best dresses, beautiful hair. She's got like this red, like deep red auburn colored hair. I mean, she's just a beautiful woman. So, yeah. and here she is, uh, you know, doing her own thing, an entrepreneur, you know, well, with the, you know like she the said, no, of course I, I know what, dairy farmers are in the middle of and they are in the middle of cow manure and so it's it it's you to be called the dairy goddess when you're in the middle of all of that that is amazing <laughs> yeah, yeah. so anyway i uh, i literally i did i placed the order while we were on because i mean who's who is not if anybody doesn't like cheese i, I will be very suspicious of you as a person <laughs> right <laughs> you know i i do i i really am i really love cheese i love i love sampling different ones i love I, anytime there's like a, a thing of different cheeses i need to like smell it i'm like the weird chick i'm like smelling the cheese first then i have to see the texture and then it's like the whole thing so if you see this woman off to the side smelling cheese before she puts it in her mouth that's me that's, that's me <laughs> Uh, but I love that that French type of cheese where it's a spreadable. It's a thicker, um, like when you think of cache uh, cache fish, it's a yeah. very high um, high. Uh, what do you call it? Um, moisture, kind of moisture wet. All that. But this has less moisture than that, and it can be spreadable. Yeah, but still no, very, very anxious good. To try. Anxious to try. And for sure, when you come out here, we'll do a tour because there's yeah. a few there's a few cheese places. There's one. Mattis cheese up in uh, uh, Sonoma. There's Eschadinha cheese in the Central Valley as well. 
So and somebody who makes uh, Saint-Georges cheese. I don't know who that is. I keep that, hearing. That's, this. that's the Mattis uh, cheese factory in Sonoma. Oh, okay. Because I keep hearing that they're making it very similar to the Saint-Georges cheese. So it, it is, but it's it'll always taste a little different just because of the milk, because right. the, the cows in the Azores, you know, the grass has that high salty content, right? So their milk tastes different. But it is very, very close. It's very good. I've had it. Okay. It's really good. All right. Yeah. All right. Love to do well, a cheese tour, a wine tour. You're going to be busy. I think you need to spend a whole month out here. I was going to say, I don't think a week's going to do it, Angela. I don't think so. I think you need to enter a, a, a nice lengthy tour. <laughs> or multiple trips, you know, which is totally multiple fine. Trips, multiple trips. Right. Oh, well, the time has come. The time has come. Again, I mean, for another one down here and um, yep. so glad we, we were able to speak to Barbara. I loved it. And um, yeah. And for those, again, we thank you for listening. We hope that you're enjoying it as much as Angela and I are, because I mean, I think we laugh through the whole thing sometimes or, um, but I mean, I'm loving it. And I know that for those that we've heard from how much you're enjoying it too. And so we're just going to keep on doing it as long as we are. We are. And can I, can I, can I confess something? Sure. So when, when I'm having sort of a down day, I listen yeah. to one of, I listen to one of our podcasts and it totally makes me laugh. And I'm like instantly in a better mood. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love I'm, drinking, it. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I am drinking our own stuff, but Hey, if it hey, works, that, if it works, works, honey, do it. I mean, there is nothing wrong with that. You know, I mean, this is what we're all about. We're all about promoting our own, sharing those success stories out there and, and saying, you know what, for those that are listening, that are thinking, I want to try to do this. We're telling you, go for it, do it. Life's too short and just embrace it all, embrace it all. Because guess what? There's plenty um, of us out there that are doing it and, and we're showcasing them and, Maybe we'll be showcasing you next. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Maria, until até a próxima. Until next time. Exactly. Até a próxima, querida. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks again for listening to our Portuguese Table podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, you can do so on SoundCloud or iTunes. And all episodes can be found on our website at www.ourportuguesetable.com. You can also reach us at feedback at ourportuguesetable.com with comments, questions, or suggestions. Até, Até a próxima! próxima.